Durant. Oh! A jawbreaker! Grizzly fans, welcome to this edition of the Core Four, one of the featured podcasts on the Grizzly Bear Blues Network. This is the official relaunch of the Core Four, the show that gets its name and tribute, of course, to Zach Randolph, Marcus Gasol, Mike Conley, and Tony Allen, the heart and soul of the most successful era in Memphis Grizzlies basketball. My name is David Buckler, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Matt Gill and Xavier Dotson, and it is our mission to bring you a show each week that honors the great tradition of the Memphis Grizzlies while showcasing the excitement of today's NBA. Before we start today's show, I would like to take a moment to introduce our core four hosts to the listening audience, starting with Matt Gill. Matt, you've been a regular contributor to Grizzly Bear Blues. Tell us more about yourself. Yeah, Dave, thanks. Uh, Super excited to get this show going again. I know it was always a staple of the uh, Grizzly Bear Blues podcast network. Uh, Yeah, so I got started with GBB in January, so... I've been around for, you know, eight months now, and it was a really exciting, you know, end of that season. Kind of got in right in the in the thick of it when we started going into the kind of playoff push and stuff like that. So it's been really good. Um, yeah, so I am a master's student at the University of Memphis, getting my master's in journalism and strategic media, graduated from the University of Tennessee, uh, did some college radio there, did a little sports radio there. So uh, that kind of got me started on my broadcasting journey, and uh, that Kind of brings me here, you know. Well, it's great having you with us each week. And Xavier, you're a hardcore NBA fan, a student of the game, as they say. What else are the, should the listeners know about you? Um, appreciate it, Dave. Um, so, yes, I'm, I'm a recent graduate from University of Tennessee, Chattanooga. Um, I'm pretty much at an odd approach. I graduated with a biology degree. Um, mm-hmm. But what brings me here is um, – Earlier this year, in January, I created a sports media TikTok page in which I was breaking down basketball. Um, I was just doing that as a, as a hobby. And then now it picked up uh, a lot of encouragement from my girlfriend and my friends to, to, um, told me to follow my dreams. And so here I am now. Um, <laughs> I'm blessed to be here. I'm a big fan of each of all the uh, GBB podcasts, especially the core four. I've been listening to it for a long time, to be exact. So. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm just stoked, really, to be here, so bless. Well, that's great, and, and as I said, my name is David. Uh, myself, I live in the Washington, D.C. area. Uh, my wife and I, we share four kids and three grandkids, all big Memphis Grizzlies fans, of course. Now, most of my background is in professional wrestling, but I do love the NBA, and I'm honored to work with both of you. So, you know, it's going to be a lot of fun, and I'm particularly excited to be covering the team during what we hope is an extended stretch of success for Memphis. So that's a quick look at your core four hosts. I did want to say the final piece of the puzzle for us, the most important aspect of the show, is you, the listener. You're the final piece of our core four. And we hope as the show evolves over the next few months, we find more ways to get you involved in the segments and the topics that we discuss. So thanks for being here today. And let's jump right into today's featured topics. We are right in the middle of the offseason. It's a chance to catch our breath after an exciting playoff run. We had the NBA draft and finally the recently completed NBA Summer League. Matt, Memphis's roster has undergone quite a few changes since we last saw them in Golden State. Starting with the 2022 draft class, give us your early impressions of the rookies. 
Yeah, man, it's really interesting. I mean, as the as the Tennessee Vol on the show, obviously, I'm super excited to have Kennedy Chandler on the team. You know, he's a guy that I watched a lot and really closely this year for the Vols. But moving into the pro, pro game, I uh, you know, I, the, the thing that worries me about him is his size and his defensive ability. That's one of the things he's going to have to work on is one-on-one defense. But this kid's been able to score at every single level. He's going to figure that out. I mean, at Tennessee – Last year, he scored 50% of his two-point attempts, which I think is huge for a guy who is listed at six foot, but I, to me, looks like he's 5'9 or 5'10. He's got a great duo of point guards to learn from in, uh, you know, Ja, obviously, and Tyus is going to go a long way in being a mentor for him in the long term, I think. So Kennedy is a guy that I'm looking forward to. You know, as kind of a long-term prospect. I don't really know how much he's going to contribute to this year. This year, I kind of see him as like jaw insurance, right? If jaw goes down again, like he did at the end of the season last year and in the playoffs, then that's a time when Kennedy Chandler can kind of step up and get some more, uh, you know, playing time. Because we saw Tyus just run out of gas in so mm-hmm. many games where he had to really fill in for him. Um, so that's kind of where I, I kind of see Chandler fitting into this team this season. He also adds you know, some three-point shooting, which I think is huge for this team going forward. Uh, the only the other, other thing scoring-wise, he, he was not a good free-throw shooter, 60% last year at Tennessee. So looking for that to improve as well. But he looked good in summer league. And as I said, he's not a great one-on-one defender, but he makes good defensive plays and the help, you know, uh, raking for balls when guys are going through the lane, you know, and he's in an off-ball position. And then he made two really good defensive plays in the summer league that stood out to me at the end of the 76ers game. And in the uh, Salt Lake Summer League and the uh, Timberwolves game in Las Vegas. He closed out really both of those wins with a big steal there towards the end. So obviously that's a guy I've got my eye on. But as far as somebody I see really contributing this year is a guy who I did not like on draft night. But after watching his Summer League tape, LaRavia, I think, is going to be a real player. Hmm. I think that the way that he moves and the way he shoots the ball, he's got a great stroke, obviously. But I think Jake Laravia from Wake Forest is going to be a really good player for him. One of the things that I see him doing really well is filling the lane and being really aggressive in the transition. And that's something that all of these rookies are going to have to do, right, is be a willing defender and run the floor. That's what makes the Grizzlies great. And so those guys, they just have to know they they have to fill those roles. And, you know, with the departure of some other guys on the roster, Laravia may have a really good chance to step up and contribute. You know, it's interesting. Yeah, Chandler was a good fit for you, right, going from Tennessee to the Grizzlies. It's nice for you as a fan. But Xavier, he touched on two things there that we heard a lot before the draft. Certainly Chandler's size was a problem, or they thought it could be a potential problem. That's maybe why he dropped into the second round. And then he talked on LaRavia that that some of the initial reviews coming out of the summer league, he didn't show a whole lot of excitement, a whole lot of juice. (laughs) He's got a beautiful shot, like Matt said. But what do you think from what he – pointed out about those two important rookies um so you know feeding off what um matt was talking about laravia when i was watching him of course the, the jazz summer league game the first game i was stoked seeing laravia he was like reminding me of like a mike miller 2.0 the way he was stroking and making the threes he was hot he was playing aggressive but from 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 that game to the rest of the summer league it seemed like he lost his aggressiveness um he did look a little bit lost but I really feel like you got to take summer league with a grain of salt. You can't base a guy off the summer league. Um, I really feel like next to Desmond Bain and John Morant, his game will open up a lot more. Like you said, with Laravia running the floor with those guys, 
the defense will collapse against John Morant, Desmond Bain, especially Brooks attacking around. He should be able to get those easy threes. Um, I would like to see him, I mean, of course, attack the rim a bit more. But I feel like he could be a capable defender. Um, the Grizzlies, they are a really good transition defensive team. Um, if LaRavia runs the floor, like he, he should have impactful minutes this upcoming season. And then next on to Kennedy Chandler, I enjoy, like he said, he had that big moment against that 76ers, the uh, summer league game in the defensive end. And, and I, I understand that this, his stock went down due to the fact he's a lot shorter. But here we are. This is the Grizzlies team, Grizzlies organization. They don't care about, like, wingspan size <laughs> or whatnot. If you can play ball, they want you. And that's what Kennedy Chandler does. He can play ball. Um, I look forward to him being uh, John Morant and Ty's mentoring him because I do feel like he's going to be, it's going to take growth for him to be that point guard that we all want him to mold to be. But I still feel that Kennedy will uh, most definitely get some runs this year. Like you, like you were saying, Matt, he's assurance, especially since Ty's was pretty gassed out playing a lot of minutes, especially when job was out. So Kennedy should bring a lot of value. And then as well, hopefully he spent some time in the G League. Most likely he is going to spend some time in the G League. That'll keep him up to learning more about NBA pace. And it's, it's, it's a lot of people feel that the G League is pointless, but it's a lot of development and growth there in the G League. So I, I look forward to seeing what those two can do this upcoming season. One thing about LaRavia, there were some concerns coming out of the Summer League. And, and as you mentioned, Xavier, maybe we need to take Summer League with a grain of salt. However, someone who's getting a lot of positive publicity from the Summer League is Kenny Lofton, Jr. Matt, are we overinflating his contributions this summer? Yeah, 100%. We couldn't go through the Summer League portion of this show without talking about Kenny Lofton. But, yeah, we're not going to see – Xavier just touched on it. This is a guy who was built for the G League this year. He is exciting to watch. He had some really good flashes in Summer League. He had, uh, I believe it was the Nets game. He dropped 20-something. But the the Oklahoma City game and Salt Lake City was the one that really stood out to me because he just went from the opening tip, went straight at Chet. He had no, no qualms about it, and he was hitting transition threes. This is a guy who can do a lot of different things. The problem is, in his role at Louisiana Tech, he's such a ball-dominant guy on the post. That's never going to be his role in Memphis. He's going to have to develop those pick-and-roll skills, which he will. He showed some good flashes of. But everybody wants him to be baby Zach Randolph, and they want it, like, <laughs> today, right? You know, with that with that silky smooth little fadeaway turnaround from the block. But that's not really going to be his role. The way I see Kenny Lofton kind of fitting into the long-term plans is – if the Grizzlies come out of the, the end of this next season saying, all right, Brandon Clark isn't enough, maybe that's where Kenny Lawton can come in. And maybe he even plays some super small five for you or plays some four uh, in the long term. But that's going to be a long time from now. He looked really good. He led him in scoring twice in the Las Vegas Summer League. He makes some really good plays. I'm, I'm impressed. The first time I was introduced to him was in their Conference USA Championship game against UAB. And, man, he was – First of all, he was oh, he had three fouls within like the first four minutes of the game. So that's something that you got to work on. But he looked so out of shape in that game. And that was at the end of a college basketball season. Coming into the summer league, he looked a lot better. And I would assume is going to continue to work on his conditioning and his body. And being in a pro system like that, he's going to have to anyways. 
But, yeah, I think that he showed some really good flashes. He's an exciting guy, and I look forward to him having great success. But I think he's going to be the number one option on the Memphis Hustle this year. (laughs) And I know, Xavier, you wanted to look at the specific growth from our players during the NBA Summer League, but not just the rookies. Overall, the team went four and four in their eight games combined in Utah and Las Vegas, but really we're more concerned with individual performances versus the final scores. Is that right? Yes. Um, I was really big on seeing Zaire. Everybody was really happy and was enjoying the growth of Zaire. We saw last year, the past summer league, when Desmond Bain took a huge jump being the playmaker developing passing skills and ball handling skills. So when everybody heard that Zaire was playing summer league ball, and it was like, oh, yes, it's his, it's his time. It's his time to jump. And I, he did learn a lot. He was the playmaker. He was the primary ball handler out there for the starting unit. And, um, I mean, the first few games, you could tell he was uncomfortable. I mean, that's not his natural position. And it's okay. It's the summer league. A lot of people still try to judge summer league a little bit too hard. Taylor Jenkins really challenged him, and he he stepped up. And by the time at the end of the summer league, you could tell he became comfortable with the position. He was making correct reads. It was one, I think it was against Brooklyn. Um, he did a pick and roll with him and Zaire. I mean, Zaire and Xavier Tillman, they did the pick and roll together. Like, he threaded the needle. I mean, like, whoa. I'm like, this is Zaire. <laughs> like, that's a Tyus Jones and John Morant type pass. And so you could just tell he was getting more comfortable. But mm-hmm. what I really enjoyed from seeing it, seeing him playing in the summer league was he was becoming a leader. Um, he, was, he was in charge of those younger guys. He was telling them, dictating where to, where to go on the court. Um, who, should, who should be out there? Where, where should you be at? And so I'm, I'm enjoying what I've seen from him because what – I saw him last year, especially at the end of the year. He was not he was not playing at a rookie level anymore. He looked like he was a bit, especially during the playoffs. He had some big moments. So this growth now of him becoming like a vocal leader, that's very much needed on this team. Of course, you got so many people are going to be so impressed by John Rent, Desmond Bang, Jaron Jackson, and Dylan Brooks. But Zaire, he, him being another leader, especially with guys being in and out the lineups, that's a big that's a big deal. So I'm happy to see Zaire growth. Yeah. Um, of course, and then as well, Santi Aldama, he proved a lot of haters and doubters wrong. Um, I know a lot of people was questioning, like, why did we draft him in the first round? Why did we trade him, trade up to draft him in the first round this past past draft? And he's not producing. But he real did. Like, I think it was the second game of the regular summer league. I know he had a 30-point outing out, out there in, in Vegas. And he was scoring at three levels from shooting on the outside to attacking the rim and shooting the mid-range. Uh, you know, I mean, it's a void right now due to the fact that Jaron is, is out for the, at least the first half of the season. So Santi knows this. He, he sees this as an opportunity, okay? Maybe if I continue to play, improve, improve and show the coaching staff, like, hey, I can be that guy. Santi even said that. If you, he said, if you, know, if you really watch me, you know that this is exactly how I play. So Santi is looking forward to being that starting that, that starting power four position. And I, I mean, I enjoyed the growth of what I saw from Santi. Yeah, I, I agree. But I don't think we can move on to our next topic without talking a little bit, Matt, about Xavier Tillman Sr., who I wanted to get your opinion. Did we see enough from him this summer? Are we seeing enough growth from him? And really, he's kind of got to move into an important role in this team, I would think. 
did we see enough? No, is the answer. The only thing I have written down in my notes is Tillman, no improvement. He looks exactly the same. He hasn't added anything different to his game. Yeah, he had some big dunks, and he can still pass from the elbow with a little bit of success. But he's got to be like – he was one of the oldest guys in his draft. He's got to be like a 27-year-old dude playing summer league still. He should have way more success than he did. He should have been putting up Kenny Lawton Jr. numbers while he was out there, and he just wasn't. He's not a guy that – he's going to remain in that same role, and it's because he hasn't really improved a lot in his game. I like him as a player. I think that he fits that role really well, but I haven't seen anything different so far. Losing DeAnthony Melton to Philadelphia and Kyle Anderson to Minnesota alters the composition of the Grizzlies roster, particularly on the defensive end of the floor. Xavier's going to break this down for us in a segment we call Xavier's X's and O's. So, yes, of course, losing Milton and Anderson, especially Milton. Milton has become a big fan favorite on the bench always with his bright smile, white teeth, and being the microwave off the bench. But, yes, we're going to miss the impact of DeAnthony Milton, especially on the defensive end. Um, I mean, he was a 6'4 guard with, a, a, I believe, a wingspan of like 6'9 or 6'11. Um, I believe him and... Anderson led the team in deflections and steals. So recovering from the transition, those are your two main guys uh, coming from transition defense to pick up on guys and the capability of those two switching because with the league, how the league is now, everybody's switching, especially with pick and rolls coming left and right. You're switching. Those two guys are interchangeable to guard guards. Um, even bigger guys, especially, like I said, Melton has a 6'9", 6'11", wingspan. Um, and then as well, I feel that Melton will be missed with his three-point shooting, him being that spark off the bench. Uh, I believe it was the last, last 20 games. Um, he was like a huge spark off the bench making the threes, making like three plus threes every single night. Um, I broke down on my TikTok page of how – he was a big piece for zone breaking. It's a play that Memphis loves to run called Horns X. It's a zone breaker in which you have two wings in the corner. Um, the point guard dribbles up, penetrates, get the two defenders, especially if they're in the 2-3 two, three zone. Uh, Ties does a great job breaking it down and kicking it out to Milton. Milton is an excellent catch-and-shoot shooter, catch and shoot shooter. So we're going to miss that. Kyle Anderson, he does everything that nobody's paying attention to. I tell everybody that all the time. Like, we're going to miss the impact of Kyle Anderson. Um, he's a playmaker as well, especially like his slow mo. Um, I don't <laughs> I don't even know how to explain it. I mean, he, he's his little go-to slow-mo move. You, you think he's traveling, but he's not. But that throws the defense all balance because they can't jump. They don't know when to jump or when to contest the shot or when he's passing it. So we're going to miss this, these two players. Um, but I still feel like the guys that they drafted, they can fill those, fill those gaps. Well, when I was putting together notes for the show, I wrote down, you can't play everybody and you can't pay everybody. You know, eventually these young kids, Bain, we just saw John Morant get his extension, talk about Brandon Clark, they, they have to find the money to pay some of these young kids. And, and I am actually not that upset that both these players won't be on the roster next year, particularly Melton. I, there, a lot of people like Melton, and I thought, Xavier, you hit on some, on, on some good notes there. I heard uh, during the season last year, he really liked being on SportsCenter. 
And I always thought there was a little bit sometimes where he, he went for a little bit of an over-the-top dunk or a little bit of a spectacular play instead of sticking kind of to like the basics. I thought his three-point shooting was very streaky at times. And both those guys in the playoffs, I didn't trust either of them in that Golden State series. And ultimately, that's where we want to go. We don't want to be beating Sacramento in December you know, as a measuring stick of our success of the season. We have a team that hopefully can move on deep into the playoffs. And if you're on the roster and not one of those guys, the coaching staff's going to trust in that situation. Matt, I, I didn't feel like the coaching staff trusted either of those players late in the season. No, Melton became completely unplayable when it came playoff time. We'll always have those last 20 games like Xavier was talking about. That was electric when he was just coming off the bench and hitting everything. And it was awesome to watch. But, yeah, I mean, these are going to be huge shoes to fill. I got a couple stats for you here. So Kyle Anderson and DeAnthony Melton. Melton number one in steals per game last year. Kyle Anderson number five. Melton number six in minutes per game last year. Kyle Anderson number eight. Melton number six in assists per game last year, Kyle Anderson number seven. And there was a huge gap to the eighth guy for that assist number. These are guys who contributed in a lot of different ways. They picked up a lot of the slack. They were gritty guys that did a lot of the dirty work for this team. And it's going to be a huge shoes to fill going forward. But, yeah, that's what they brought in some of these rookies for. And like Zaire was saying uh, – sorry, Xavier was saying about Zaire Williams, we saw him take a huge jump – and moving on from those two guys on the wings is going to give Zaire a huge opportunity to step up and add some more three-point shooting to this team and hopefully help them get to another playoff spot. And we got to remember that they got Danny Green back in the mm -hmm. deal for Melton. I have no idea what he's got left in the tank, but if Danny Green can come in and those two guys can provide some more face space, floor spacing for Ja Morant, I think that helps the Grizzlies long-term into the future if they can add some more shooting you know, but those guys are going to be missed. They were fan favorites for sure. But like you said, you can't pay everybody. And Kyle Anderson had earned his money and he's going to give Minnesota some really good minutes and we'll see him in the playoffs again. Yeah. It was interesting. He went to Minnesota right after yeah. a very emotional playoff series. I, I was thinking when Danny Green showed up in, in Vegas that a lot of people were going to say this is something like he's here supporting the team. I didn't take as much away from that. It was nice to see him. Actually, my thought about it was I didn't see a lot of veterans from other teams in Las Vegas. Memphis stood out because they had a lot of support in Las Vegas from John Moran and Dylan Brooks and Desmond Bain and all these guys. And I, I think it shows the culture that they're building in Memphis. But it made me question, why aren't more of these veterans from other teams showing up? Think about when we played Brooklyn in the summer league. Certainly Kyrie's not showing up. Kevin Durant doesn't want to be there, right? Ben Simmons, who knows where he's, you know, where he's the, is right now, what, what his mindset is. So I thought the fact that a lot of the Grizzlies came, including Danny Green, he's mentioned in that trade, uh, was good, at least for the culture. But these guys, Xavier, you're talking about with Melton and Anderson on the defensive end, there's going to be a drop off there. Can we, though, get better offensively with some other players getting more playing time? Um, yes, especially with the Cal Anderson avoid um although Kyle yeah he, he does the stuff that a lot of people aren't looking but Kyle Anderson his offensive game uh it was just it's a bit on and off you know and it's not consistent um you got guys like Matt Matt was saying Zaire Williams should step up mm -hmm. I'm, I'm expecting a leap I'm not I'm not saying that he's going to be over here coming off the bench dropping 20 a night but I do feel like he's going to 
be a better improved version than we saw last year. Um, as well, the rookies, um, David Roddy. I'm, I'm big on David Roddy. He was that guy at Colorado State. I still feel like he needs to learn how to play team ball, pass the ball a bit more. But I think training count, learning, learning this Memphis culture. Like we won't, we don't, we don't necessarily care who shines each night. Um, the leader of John Morant has even said that he could have zeros on the stat board all along. But as long as they get the win, that's all that matters. Um, offensively, yes, um, we should see a lot better from um, Zaire, David, Roddy. And then as well, um, Santi. Santi should step up. Santi looks like he's like he's ready to be that guy and show everybody that, like, hey, I was the first round pick for a reason. And then you gotta you gotta remember that we just gave J uh, John Conchart Jitty a paycheck. <laughs> Jitty has to step up now. Yeah, he's taking that spot for DeAnthony Melton. And Jitty really did had a great season last year. He played some big minutes, especially when COVID was going around. Teams was, I mean, players was out and Jitty was making, he was on the three point streak. It was, it looked like that Jitty could not miss a three point shot at one point. And then at the end, the last game, he uh, dropped a triple double. I'm, I mean, I know that was like a dead stat, but he's still very impressive. John Conchart is, can play some mean, meaningful minutes. So offensively, I do feel like we will be a bit better, um, especially with the Anderson Void, like what Matt was saying. Um, the Anthony Melton can be streaky with his shooting, but Jake LaRivia, Jitty, Santi, all those guys, they're offensive players. So offensively, we will be a lot better. The NBA schedule will be released in a few weeks, and there is a lot of attention being paid to whether Memphis will finally be featured in a Christmas Day game. The holiday slate of games traditionally showcases the league's best teams. So how important to Memphis would this be or how important should this be? Matt, what do you think? I think it would be hugely important. I think everybody around the league, John Moran is one of the most followed players on social media and on sports center. He's everywhere, right? Everybody across the country wants to see him. Further, I read an article about two weeks ago that was saying it listed the top, uh, the top markets that tune in to nationally televised games, and Memphis was number three in the entire league. So, I mean, there is obviously a want here in the city to have it be, uh, you know, on Christmas Day, see them on that stage and against a great opponent, um, you know, and it would obviously get a ton of traction because of the popularity of this team and John Morant as a player around the league. And there's some natural rivalries now that would be fantastic on Christmas Day. Xavier, right? I mean, Golden State, the Lakers, there's teams out there that would be a great matchup. Yeah, I was just about to say that how many robberies that Memphis that we finally have a target on our back now. Mm -hmm. Um Minnesota, of course, that was a battle this past playoffs. Um, of course, as well in our uh division, we got the Pelicans between Zion, the number one pick, and John Morant being the second pick. And and then of course the the Warriors, that battle of a series. So it, there there is a selection of teams that hey, those those if you place us on a Christmas game, I'm pretty sure the viewership viewership will be exponential. Um, we have the rivalry, rivalries that's building up. Um, we got the star John Morant, and then as well, I I, I feel that Memphis really needs it. Um, the national attention we deserve it. Um, I feel like the spotlight will help us shine, and in, in, in another way, if we keep 
if we get the Christmas game, what makes us not think that we can get an all-star game here? Hopefully in the future. <laughs> that's a big, that's a big uh wish list of mine, but hey, we'll see. Hey Xavier. Sorry, Dave. It was Xavier beat me too, but I wanted to say New Orleans is number one on my wish list. I know everybody wants to see him play the Warriors again, but I think if Zion is healthy, that is a Christmas Day game that you have to play. That's so exciting. Everybody, you'll probably see Warriors Boston uh, on Christmas Day, I would think. So if if we can get New Orleans, my list was New Orleans, Minnesota, uh, Golden State, and then Dallas. That, mm-hmm. That's my wish list right there. But I would love to see if Zion's fully healthy, us take on the Pelicans on Christmas Day. But how about your list right there, Matt? Isn't it great that we have teams that mean something? Like when you mentioned Minnesota, Dallas, you know, even Phoenix, like the, these are important games. And, and I think when I was, again, looking at this topic, it's interesting how the NBA uses Christmas Day as sort of the launching point of, all right, now we're into the season. You know, we're going to really uh, showcase our best teams. It's a really important day, but it's really uh, fun for, and, and we want to, we want the Grizzlies to be fun. We had such an important season last year that even if they're not on Christmas day, it should, it, it, we still have a fun team and a, and a bright future. I don't think this should be most importance. It would just be kind of nice because the team is improving. Yeah, absolutely. I think that they've earned it. They, they, Definitely the following is there across the country. I think it would be a huge step in the right direction. And, yeah, going back to the 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 uh, rivals thing, it's like the old days, right? Like when the grit and grind era was going, it was the Spurs and the Clippers. Like those guys hated each other, and they wanted to play each other all the time, and they wanted to beat up on each other. And it's good to have that back, to be competitive again, to where you can have rivals and have good games. And also, it would be kind of cool to see the Christmas Day jerseys, right? Oh, yeah. Right. It'd be kind of cool to see what uniform they would roll out. Uh, I think every team gets a Christmas Day special jersey. Yeah, yeah. They do something different every year. That would be cool. I didn't even think about that. Anytime a team has a level of success, the fan base wants even more the following season. Coming off the second best record in the NBA and a number two playoff seed, Memphis will face perhaps the most pressure this franchise has ever had to repeat and even improve on past performance. How much of this pressure, Matt, falls on our coach, Taylor Jenkins? What are your expectations for him? I think it's interesting. I think that my expectations for this coming season, it's going to be hard to replicate that regular season that they had last year. It was super special. They played really good basketball, even when guys were down, right? We got hit with COVID pretty hard, jaw in and out. All, and Dylan Brooks not even available until, you know, almost halfway through the season or whatever it was. And they just battled and continued to win games. I mean, they had an unbelievable record. They ended up 15 games by, above 500. So while I see that that number may come down, I have lower expectations for them. They may not be as high of a seed next year. I think that the playoff success is all that really matters at this point, right? We've seen three straight seasons with Jenkins where he's improved the winning percentage every year in the regular season, but the uh, playoff record is still only 7-11. and 11. It's not terrible, and they've improved every year, and they've taken these stepping stones, right? They went to the play-in game. Then they played a series against Utah, took one game off of them, losing five. And then last year, you win a series finally with this group all together, and then you lose the in the second round to the eventual champions without your best player for the last three games. Like, I don't think that's anything to hang your head about. And I think that that shows you're on the right path 
and you're improving every single year. But this year, I, I don't think that there's going to be any kind of calling for Taylor Jenkins' jobs by any means. I think that this is a time for patience this year. But we are expecting, and I think all Grizzly fans are expecting, for them to take one step further and get to a Western Conference Finals. Yeah, so, I, I, yeah, Matt, that's a great point. And, Xavier, not just Coach Jenkins, this entire coaching staff, we've seen do a great job these past few years and get improvements out of certain players. I think John Contra is a great example of that. I never thought he would be as valuable as a contributor off the bench as he has become. Do you feel like Taylor Jenkins and his staff, they're the right group to, to take this very, very young, very, very talented team to a Western Finals, maybe win a championship? Uh, yes, I do. I have high confidence in our coaching staff and our front office. Um, like I said, like they draft the right guys. They know their team. They know who they want around their core. John Morant, Desmond Bain, Jaron Jackson. Um, and then my my idea for Taylor Jenkins and his coaching staff is to maintain. Um, you're without Jaron for the first half of the season. I know it's going to be a big disappointment in our defense. I mean, not disappointment, but it's going to be – we're going to feel the effects in our defense because Jaron is our defensive anchor. But you have guys that's able to step up. Continue, um, continue having that culture of next guys to step up. You got to continue having that culture. Um, and then as well, I want to see him be hard on the rookies. Like these rookies, we drafted these rookies and we got rid of crucial pieces of, of, our, of our core of DeAnthony Melton and Kyle Anderson. We feel that the, the rookies can be capable of being impactful players right away. So I'm looking forward to see how Taylor Jenkins are going to are going to utilize our rookies immediately because we're going to need them. Um, and then I feel like, yes, Taylor Jenkins and his coaching staff, they're going to have growth and, and other, other players such as Zaire, Santi, and John Conchart. Because, I mean, we, we, we're witnessing a John Conchart playing impactful minutes this past, this past season, Zaire playing big minutes. I, I have confidence in our guys that they can lead us to a Western Conference Finals or even a final run. Yeah, so the, Matt, you talk about playoff success being a big barometer of this season. The interesting thing is you don't start the season in October, jump right to the playoffs, right? It's, it's a long season with a lot of ups and downs. I think having this stability in the coaching staff is really, really important for this team. And in my opinion, Coach Jenkins' number one responsibility is helping this team through an emotional stretch. We're going to miss Jaron at the beginning. If they get off to a little bit of a slow start, sort of like they did last year, can you keep that ship sailing forward where there's going to be all this expectation on the team? Yeah, I think we're going to find out a lot about how good of a coach Taylor Jenkins really is in that beginning of the season. He's going to have to figure out a way to kind of solidify the back end of the defense uh, without Jaron there for a while. And I think that we'll figure out, uh, you know, what, what he's really made of. And I, I have full confidence in him. He's going to be fine for sure. But, yeah, it's funny you mentioned that the, the you don't start the playoffs in October. The Hawks found out about that last year, right? Like they, they had that Eastern Conference Finals run. And then, that, you know, Trey Young was saying, oh, man, the regular season is so boring. I don't think I see that happening with this team at all, though. These are a bunch of guys that love playing basketball, in my opinion. Like, I think that they're going to come out ready to play every single night. And at the beginning of the year, they're probably going to take it as a challenge that they don't have one of their best players, maybe their second most 
important player on their entire roster and still, you know, being able to fight out and get wins throughout the season. I think they'll they'll absolutely answer the call for it. It's it's going to be interesting though, and and I think that it is going to be a huge test for Taylor Jenkins. But as you said, they started off slow last year. Like, it, it, you know, we can't get too uh, you know crazy about if they get off to a slow start without one of your best players. Yeah, and you mentioned Atlanta. That's such a good benchmark. But if you think about it, the Hawks didn't really have like the heat on them, the focus on them that Memphis has now. Because you, we just talked about six or seven teams that hate the Grizzlies in the Western Conference. Or, you know, we didn't even touch on the Clippers or the Nuggets. And there's so many high-profile games. I don't think that it's going to be a, a case where the players are, are, are bored. When Trey Young said that, I didn't like that comment at all for the future of the Atlanta Hawks. Yeah, and they, they're a team that has habitually played zero defense, and that that is a huge part of winning in the regular season and obviously playoff success. But, I mean, them even getting to the Eastern Conference Finals that year was more a story about how Philly fell apart than it was the, the Hawks' success, you know, and they had no chance going against the Bucs that year. So they had no they had no reason to have that level of confidence, whereas the Grizzlies, I feel, have earned it a little more, even if they don't have a Conference Finals to show for it. Well, that is our show for this week. Matt, where can the listeners find you on social media? I am at Matt H. Gill, M-A-T-T-H-G-I-L-L on all platforms. And uh, give us a follow on our Twitter as well, which I believe is the Core 4 Pod. Absolutely. Xavier, how about you? Yes, on Twitter, my uh, social media is Zaytop Takes. Uh, TikTok is underscore X-Z-A-Y. Um, and then as well, give a shout out and a follow on our main page, the Core Four Podcast. Mm-hmm. You can find me at DLB nineteen thirty three eight on Twitter, and don't forget to check out the Core Four each week on Grizzly Bear Blues. Make sure you send us your questions or topics you would like us to discuss on an upcoming broadcast. We want to thank you for tuning in and being a part of the Core Four, the weekly show for hardcore Memphis Grizzlies fans. Stolen by Moran. Hammer, nail, coffin. This baby is over.